This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, where I teach entrepreneurship and innovation. I'm super lucky to be joined in the studio now by Nona Lim, and I only wish I had a name like that because Nona Lim is the founder of Nona Lim. So her company is called Nona Lim, and it's, that's, that's the best thing if you can have a, have a beautiful name like that. So it's nonalim.com is the website, N-O-N-A-L-I-M. Dot com. Nona, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. All right. So give us the elevator pitch. What's Nona Lim all about? Sure. We are a food company, mm-hmm. and we have an Asian platform of clean, fresh, refrigerated products. Mm-hmm. Currently, we have a line of bone broths, as well as some fresh ramen and rice noodles. Uh, and they are available either in a cook-at-home format in pouches or in on-the-go format in cups that you can just microwave mm-hmm. and bring it with you and sip along. All right. So you, uh, I'm actually a little hungry, and you've been. It's nice of you. It looks like you brought some samples in. So tell, describe for us what what we're looking at here in terms of two of your products. Absolutely. So I have here two of our sip cups. Mm -hmm. One is a shiitake beef bone broth, Mm -hmm. and one is a Thai coconut and lime bone broth. So the shiitake beef bone broth is really made with grass-fed organic beef bone broth that we slow simmer with whole dried shiitake mushrooms for many hours to get just that wonderful umami flavor. Mm. And it's still very low calories, 35 calories, but has 6 grams of protein, and it's still pretty low in sodium. So it becomes a great alternative if you want it instead of having, let's say, a jerky bar yeah. you know, for a pick-me-up in the afternoon. Yeah. All right, so let me. I'm just going to describe for our listeners a little bit what I'm looking at. It's actually pretty interesting packaging. It looks like a sort of a stout coffee cup with a sippy cup lid on it, and a very nice graphics and a little window that looks into a translucent window so you sort of see what's inside. But then, uh, you know, like a like a, a co- like a cup you would get the sippy cup you would get in a takeout coffee that allows you to to sip. How long did it take you to converge on that particular form factor? It's really a nice idea to have soup in a sippy cup. Absolutely, yeah. you know, we modeled it after the infamous coffee chain with their cup concept because we feel that instead of having a coffee or tea in the morning, how about having something a little bit more savory that is also nourishing. So we actually have to, um, I guess we went through at least three or four 3D prototypes before we came up with the mold. It was a custom-made mold and totally custom packaging. Yeah, so if I'm looking at it, just to describe it a little further, it's a, it looks like a polyethylene uh, cup and so it's a little bit it's translucent it's not opaque and and that's a little bit more money probably than the polystyrene cup that's used at, we, there's no reason we can't say the name we're referring to starbucks <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they're a direct competitor right no absolutely it's a, not <laughs> it's a little more robust lid than that polystyr white polystyrene cap you would see on a starbucks cup and then it's got a nice um graphic that is in the effectively the insulator that would be on a hot coffee cup is also the graphic for your brand and that slips over and it's got a little window it's really nice looking looking package um all right so i'm going to ask you a a question 
uh, while I take a sample. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let me think what the best. So I guess um, a great question to ask would be uh, on this particular product. Um, tell us, tell us how, how you buy it. Like, how do you get it to the customer? Sure. Yeah. You can buy it at Whole Foods at most grocery stores. And we're actually rolling out to Walmart and 7-Eleven as well. And you can buy it online too. You know, so and is it in the is it is it in the uh, is it a refrigerated product? Okay. It is a refrigerated product because yeah. there are no preservatives in that. So we're really using temperature to keep it chilled. Mm-hmm. But certainly, I know when we first launched it, there is some difficulty in finding the product. Yeah, and that's I was always the say, challenge because where where you don't know where to go to find refrigerated soup in the grocery store, right? Exactly. <laughs> when you're innovating and the only one the category yeah. is like there is no category. Yeah, yeah. So th- that was definitely something that we uh, had some challenges with when we first started. Wow, it's really yummy, and it, this is uh, I'm reading on the side. It's ten ounce, ten ounce serving, and it is in this case, and and maybe this is partly the packaging size. This concept. It is effectively a beverage because you don't have a lot. You can't get a lot of chunky solid through that through that sippy. Exactly, uh, it is effectively a beverage. So yeah. we have it mostly as broths, and we yeah. have some soups as well that are yeah. pureed. So you yeah. have like a tomato soup yeah. or like a carrot ginger soup. Yeah. So a puree and a broth, and then and tell us the. Uh, I know you don't necessarily sell the prices, set the prices, but. About how much would I pay in sure. the grocery store? Three ninety nine to four ninety nine. Three ninety nine to four ninety nine. So it's also priced like a latte, right? Yeah. And although every time I hear that, I'm shocked that that's what we pay for. We don't we we don't like to even say that out loud how much we pay for a, a latte. But you're right. This is soup, which um, it in theory should be more you think of as more substantive than than a cup of coffee i would think yeah absolutely yeah. a lot more nourishing lots yeah. of collagen yeah. amino acids you know things that are great for you for your joints and things like that yeah so tell us about the um you mentioned this line which i think is is fascinating and really interesting and i hadn't seen it before so i'm really glad to 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 learn about it what are the other and it is delicious by the way what are the um what are the other items that you have in your in your line so we have two categories of products we call them the -the on-the-go items so these are really catered for consumers who are looking something to drink on the go or to bring to work so we have noodle bowls as well in compostable packaging so we take the very same high quality premium bone broth and we provide them some gluten-free rice noodles you can microwave it and that's your lunch you know we have it in a vegan format like a green curry noodle bowl. We have it with a chicken pho mm-hmm. as well. So that's our grab-and-go items. And then we have things that you can take home to cook with. Yep. You know, so we have like fresh ramen, uh, pouches of broth. That way you can get dinner for two done very quickly. You heat up the broth, you cook the noodles, you add in some shiitake mushrooms or bok choy or shrimp or chicken, and that's dinner all in 15 or 20 minutes. All right. Awesome. Now, um, I wonder if you can take us back to the origin story. If I if I can believe what I read online in preparing for the interview, you're basically an overnight success, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite there. I, I think I think I probably would be an encouraging story for entrepreneurs who yeah, are struggling out there, yeah. right? Lots of pivots. So you started twelve years ago. I did start yeah. twelve years ago. And we'll start from the very beginning. Right. So I grew up in Singapore. Mm-hmm a small island in Southeast Asia known for street food or otherwise known for hosting the infamous meeting between President Trump and... You didn't have to say that. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, in case people didn't know where Singapore was, I guess yeah. that put Singapore they, on the map. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back to that, so I learned how to cook when I was seven years old, you know, from my dad, I was always very passionate about food and cooking, but didn't actually uh, started my, didn't start my career in food. Uh, actually went to work in London in management consulting and software consulting, then moved to the Bay Area 12 years ago as a competitive fencer. Uh, what? Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you get that on the Not, website? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Say that again. So you were a management consultant in London. Yes. And you came to the U.S. as a competitive fencer. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I just want to make sure our yep. listeners got that. Yep. Yeah. And I was pretty old by then. So my competitors were you know, all like no, half no, my I age. Looked, I looked when you walked in. Your legs both looked the same size. So you're I no know, lo- I should... are you not lo- no longer fencing? Yes, yeah. I, I, I almost made it to the London Olympics in 2012, yeah. uh, representing Singapore. Mm-hmm. Missed it by a point, gave oh. it up. So that was when I decided to focus on the business, and yeah. now I do not have one thigh bigger than the other. Yeah, there are certain advantages to, <laughs> to yeah, giving so, up fencing. Yeah. Yes. You, you can get pants that fit. Yeah. <laughs> so started off, moved to the Bay Area, and decided that, you know, Bay Area has wonderful produce, right? Mm. Beautiful farmer's markets, but if you don't have time... yeah. It's difficult to get a meal together. So when I first started, actually the origin story, I started the first meal kit delivery business in the U.S. A no little, way. Yep. Yeah. Before Blue Apron and yeah. all the, all the yeah. rest. Except that was a little bit too ahead of time, yeah. right? That was before iPhones, before Facebook, Instagram, etc. Yeah. So your customer acquisition strategy was a little bit challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, you know, I tried to do it cheap and scrappy, another wrong thing. You know, online businesses don't do very well when they're cheap and scrappy. They require yeah. a lot more investment yeah. up front. So pivoted, created the, you know, first, uh, I would say, anti-inflammatory meal plan. And the soups that you see in front of you right now were actually snacks on the plant. I see. So customers yeah. were saying that, you know, they lost a lot of weight, cholesterol fell, triglycerides fell, but nobody wants to be on a you know program, a meal plan forever. So they asked for, like, are there products that they could buy in the stores afterwards? So we took the snacks that we were providing on that meal plan, mm-hmm. packaged those, and got those into retail. And so actually grew the retail of the business slowly over time. And uh, just when... Meal plans were the rage. I actually shut that down in 2014 yeah. to focus on it because I looked at the cost structure, the customer acquisition costs, and all the different variables and didn't feel that I could make it a sustainable business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to circle back. I, I, I want to just catch up on one thing, which is yes. I now have consumed almost all of the Thai curry and lime chicken bone broth. I'm not kidding. Look at that. <laughs> it, it is so good. So I, I think these are, these, are, these are terrific. So I just wanted to circle back on that. They're really good. Um, you know, I want to I want to drill down on that a little bit. So, yeah, if you think about it, to deliver what is basically water uh, in a, I mean, in, I don't mean it's water, but in terms of liquid, inter- yes. yeah, it's a liquid. <laughs> uh, in 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 a meal plan, the logistics on that are super complicated and expensive. And if you're if you're what you're delivering, you you hope to sell for five dollars or four dollars. It's going to be pretty challenging. You're probably going to need to ship twenty four units or something like that to get it to get it to work. Um, so how? But on the other hand, retail is is also not not so easy. So maybe just talk a little bit about the margin structure in retail and why that why it pencils out better uh, for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
to clarify a little bit, when I was doing the meal plan program, I was having items like wild Alaskan salmon with bok choy and super oh, noodles. Oh, I see. Right? So it no really shelf-like. was like Blue Apron. Or, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And an organic, you know, organic salad with grilled organic chicken breast mm. and dressing. Mm. None of those had any shelf life. Uh, right then, you have yeah. lots of different components right. that you have to pack, right. and so now you end up with a lot of packaging cost, and there's a lot of labor cost because you have to assemble lots of different components. Whereas when you're making soup, for example, you have packaging equipment that can do things at scale. Uh, when we first launched, for example, we were filling it by hand. It was costing us maybe four dollars to the labor cost, not mm-hmm. ingredient or packaging. It was costing us four dollars. We're selling it for three ninety nine. Yeah. You can't right. make that up on volume. Nope. You know? But but the moment we got packaging equipment, uh, a small semi-automatic filler, the labor cost went down to forty-five cents, right? A fraction of it. Yeah. So immediately you can now have scale. You can now have proper gross margins. But of course, in retail, there are a lot of margins that's taken by the retailer, maybe thirty-five to forty percent. The distributor, which could be anything from eight percent to twenty-five percent, and so you have to build in all of that. But you can make that out because you have that scale. You have the economy of scale, yeah. which is really hard to achieve with a very complex meal kit product. Yeah. So maybe just for our listeners, mm-hmm. um, tell, give us a sense. If I'm selling into Whole Foods an item like this, a refrigerated item that is going to be around $5, roughly what does Whole Foods expect to make on that as a, as a gross margin? Depending on your category, yeah. between thirty to forty percent. Thirty to forty percent. Mm-hmm. So a five dollar item, they're gonna get two dollars of that, you're gonna get three dollars of it. Nope, not even that. Even less. Even less. Even less. Because okay. then the distributor would take a little ah, bit. Ah, so you okay, so, so say, what, say a little bit about that. Yes. About how you get into a Whole Foods, yeah. So on pricing wise, whatever you see in Whole Foods, the manufacturer gets half or less than half. Ah That's because just, there's almost always a distributor. Is always. that right? Okay. Correct. Yeah. Because you can't deliver unless you're Pepsi or some companies, yeah. you know, where you have that distribution. You yeah. can't get to all 400 stores all yeah. over the country yeah. or 2,000 stores yeah. or 3,000 stores. So distributors, they will take a markup of anywhere between 8% to 30%, mm-hmm. depending on the contracts they have with the retailer. So, for example, they may have a contract with, you know, Whole Foods or some other big chain, and they may charge them, let's say, 10%. Mm-hmm. But let's say if you're a small one store down the street, they might charge you. 25%. Mm-hmm. So they have different pricing contracts with different customers I based see. on how much you buy as a retailer. Yeah. Right? And, and so, which is why in some places, um, some of the smaller stores sometimes do sell products at a slightly higher price yeah. because they get it more yeah. expensive from the distributor. Yeah. And and give us a sense of, these are 10-ounce mm-hmm. units. What's the, what is the, I don't know if it's a carton or a rack or something. What is the size of the order that will typically be delivered into into a retail store? Is it a carton? Typically? It's a case. A case, mm-hmm. yeah. And also cases tend to be like six or 12. Yeah. tends to be number or eight. Yeah. You know, there are pros and cons to that. Right. right? If your case is too big, mm-hmm. um, when you have to do what they call a free fill, it's going to cost you a lot more money. I see. So there are some chains, for example, that say that, hey, if you want to get into my stores, you need to give every store a free case of every skew. Just to get it started. Yep. I see. Yeah. And so if your case of 12 units, it costs uh, more than six. Uh, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, they tend to order by the cases. Mm-hmm. And then with the distributor, you want to get to a stage where they can order by the pallets. Yeah. So a pallet might have like 150, 200 yeah. cases, yeah. depending on the how you palletize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then talk a little bit about, about shelf life because you you then have to dis- – so you're, you're, the distributor is holding inventory. 
and then filling orders for the the retailer. But this is a refrigerated item, so it has a shelf life. How how does that work out? And 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 from the time you make it to when it has to be sold, how short is that? Is that time period? Well, we actually have really good shelf life. So, okay. you know, as a refrigerated item, it actually has 20 weeks of shelf life. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because of the hot fill, rapid yeah. chill technique, even yeah. though there's no preservatives. And so it has a, you you seal the top. Mm-hmm. You have a, like a deli seal exactly. uh, on the top. Yeah, you have a deli seal on the top, okay. yeah. and then you cool it rapidly. So how yeah. quickly you cool the products yeah. will give you more shelf life Wow, as well. 20 weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. so so that's not the constraint. Then, Usually not the constraint, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but if anybody is thinking of going into retail and they have like three weeks, four weeks of shelf life, forget it. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. Um, unless you have really fast velocity like milk and you can, you know, command because you move so much pro- yeah. products yeah. every single day. You really need to have, you know, I would say 90 days shelf life, even yeah. for a refrigerated item for you to be able to make it through the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on the SiriusXM network. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Nona Lim, who's the CEO and founder of NonaLim.com. Um, Nona, you referred to you filling, buying a filling machine. I wonder if you could, you know, imagine starting a business in, in the food space, selling into retail. How do you think about this decision of whether you do it yourself or whether you uh, work with a co-packer? And, and uh, maybe why don't you tell us what you did and how you would do it if you were doing it again? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's very much a chicken and egg, right? Because yeah. when you're first starting out, you don't want to invest in all the equipment. But at the same time, if you want to work with a co-packer, they have such high minimums. If you're not careful, you end up with a lot of spoils because you don't have the doors to sell into yet. So what I did was, um, because I already had an existing meal kit business, so I had a facility that I could use. Ah. So I literally was cooking in 20-gallon pots that you buy secondhand for a couple hundred dollars and ah. doing it like on the stove the way you would do it in a restaurant wow. or if you had a big pot at home. Yeah. Right, so it was very expensive from a labor perspective, but it was a good test case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and subsequently, because we still have the facility, we're still doing it ourselves. But you know, as we scale, you know, if we want to get to a hundred million dollars, do we want to have a hundred thousand square foot facility? Probably not, because the investment into that sort of facility is overwhelming, yeah. and it's not easy to raise capital to build such a large facility. A lot of other brands, what they tend to do is that they all have to have proof of concept. So many of them would rent a you know, timeshare kitchen to create their products and test it. And once they have a proof of concept, they tend to move into a co-packer. Yeah. Let me just mm-hmm. interrupt you for a second because our listeners may not be familiar with that concept. There are a, effectively the WeWork of kitchens that you can use for $20, $30 an hour, something like that, uh, that ha- meets all the code requirements, has the equipment you need, uh, that can allow you to get started. That's that's exactly yeah. exactly. I think there are over a hundred of them all across the country yeah. right now. Lots yeah. of incubators and commercial kitchens right. for sharing purposes. And then a co-packer is essentially a manufacturer yep. for that that does takes your brand, but uses under your brand will produce for you. Exactly. And so you migrate to that. Is that what you did? No, I have not migrated. Yet. Ah! <laughs> I'm still, I'm still making it myself. I'm All still right. investing in equipment. Again, it depends on the kind of products that you have. Yeah, you know, soups is doesn't take that expensive equipment. Yeah. you can get kettles secondhand for not too much. Yeah, and so it's easy for us to do that yeah. in the short. And term. when you say a kettle, it's a it's a standalone device, a big 
uh, round bottomed. I used to work in a restaurant, so I, I <laughs> the big the, like the stock by the big round bottomed uh, device. That's a dedicated piece of equipment for making soup. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could be yeah. steam fired, you know, yeah. or gas or electric, right. yeah. and it's just this big gigantic pot that could be you know forty gallons right. or sixty gallons, right. and it can go all the way up to like fifteen hundred. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and so you're still doing it. That I'm way. still doing it. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, talk a little bit about, and but do you think you will make the transition to Co-Packer? You know, I look at it as a mixed strategy. Mm-hmm. I like to keep a, what I call an innovation plant so that it allows me to innovate quickly and launch products in small batches and to be able to test concepts out yeah. quickly and hopefully to be able to graduate really high-performing skills to a Co-Packer. Mm-hmm. I think that that gives me enough control uh, but also gives me the scale because yeah. sometimes – if you are lucky and you have a wonderful co-packer and you are very good at managing your co-packer, that could be great. But there are also horror stories about how lots of businesses have gone under because they were not able to manage their co-packer effectively. You know, and so I, I like to hedge my bets, and yeah. so I think I'll go with a mixed strategy. Yeah, you know, the the packaging concept is is really nice because the at least for the, for these products because it's it's a completely standard cup and then it has just a printed sleeve that goes over it so i can see how it'd be relatively easy to do a new a new skew from a packaging standpoint but maybe you could talk a little bit about uh recipe development where do the recipes come from what what's required to develop a great recipe and then how hard is it to replicate it in the factory in the in the facility yeah (laughs) i always say that you know it's it's not that difficult to make great tasting food. Yeah. It's more. It's also not that difficult to make a clean label, great tasting product. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to make it at a price point that consumers will buy it for. Uh, okay. Right. So um, that's always the challenge, which is you know, if you, because a lot of times products that are relatively cheap, they substitute you know to create great flavor. They're putting sodium and other things. If you oh, want to I use see. real ingredients, it's much more expensive. Yeah. Say what you mean. By, yeah, you use that term, clean label, and I should have stopped you then. Yeah. What does that mean? It means that um, it doesn't have preservatives, doesn't have additives, doesn't have all kinds of flavorings or colorings Mm. or shortcuts. Mm. So, for example, our products, if you look at the ingredient list, we're very transparent. We tell you exactly which spice, which herb we use. We don't even use yeast flavoring. It's basically things you can find in your kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And so – and that – that's more expensive, is your point. Way yeah. more expensive. Yeah. And so, um, but because we do it that way, so to scale it up actually isn't that difficult because it's like making your homemade soup in a much bigger volume. Right. And, and, and in effect, you have made a decision in terms of strategy that you will not take the shortcuts in, in production with the additives and so forth. Yeah. So what you make in the small quantity is going to be what you make in the larger. Exactly. The larger so the scaling yeah. is actually pretty easy. Yeah. So I wonder, we just have a, a minute or two left, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about about financing the business. It's been 12 years, so I suspect you've tried lots of different things, but maybe just walk us through a little bit how you've financed the business. Sure. So I bootstrapped it all along the way, testing uh-huh. it. You know, yeah. and So it's been very small show. And about three years ago, after I quit my fencing, I decided to go big or go home. Uh, I see. So okay. we did kind of raise a round of uh, Series A last year and raised about $3 million. Yeah probably going to raise again next year as well. And so now we have uh, VCs involved, and, uh, and it's been exciting. Tell us a little bit about the, the how, how you, you, you had this long history, but it wasn't necessarily a wildly successful history because you'd been, you'd been doing a lot of different things. You were fencing. 
did did you have a hard time making the case that you were now gonna it was gonna be a different business? Yes and no. Yeah. It's a matter of being the right time at the right place. You know, all of a sudden, all the trends are converging, and now I am trendy. Ah, right. So because yeah. you have convenience, Asian flavor profile, fresh, uh, clean label, gluten free, non GMO, they're all coming together. So all all of a sudden, I'm in a category that is fast growing. Mm -hmm. I'm suddenly showing trip, uh, double, triple digit growth, and so it became much easier to raise funds. There's also a lot of food funds right now and man, many more funds getting started every other day in the food industry. Yeah. So it is actually quite easy to raise money in the food industry right now if you have the right, if you're in the right product category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, we just have a minute. Mm -hmm. Tell us tell us where you're going. Where's Nona Lim? Where, where, what, what's going to happen to Nona Lim in the next couple of years? What's your plan? Yeah. We want to dominate the category that we're in. We want to be the dominant um, Asian platform brand that you can look to when you want something convenient, healthy, and tasty uh, in a grocery store. Okay. Yeah, well, you got terrifically lucky because your parents gave you this great brand. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible asset, and it's one that you own uniquely. So it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. So let me just repeat. The, the, the soup is terrific, and so look for it in – in Whole Foods, right? Mm -hmm. That would be the best place for most of our listeners to find it, right? Yep, online. Uh, we ship nationwide. Oh, you and you also ship non online. Okay, so uh, Nona, thanks so much for coming in. It was a real pleasure, and thanks for the soup. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so you, to learn more, you just go to nonalim.com. That's N-O-N-A-L-I-M.com. Coming up, I'll be joined by Mark Palatucci, who's the co-founder of Anki, a robotics and artificial intelligence startup. I'm Carl Ulrich. Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, and you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on the SiriusXM Network. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.